in, in Isaiah chapter number 5, starting out in verse number 13, it says, Therefore my people are gone into captivity, because they have no knowledge. And their honorable men are famished, and their multitude dried up with thirst. Therefore hell hath enlarged herself, and opened her mouth without measure, and their glory, and their multitude, and their pomp, and he, hath, uh, and he that rejoiceth uh, shall descend into it. And the mean man shall be brought down, and the mighty man shall be humbled, and the eyes of the lofty shall be humbled. But the Lord of hosts shall be exalted in judgment, and God that is holy shall be sanctified in righteousness. Then shall the lambs feed after their manner, and the waste places of the fat ones shall strangers eat. Woe unto them that draw iniquity with cords of vanity, and sin as it were with a cart rope, that say, Let him make speed and hasten his work, that we may see it. And let the counsel of the Holy One of Israel draw nigh and come, that we may know it. And verses 20 through 24 is kind of where some verses that have stuck with me uh, several times that I've gone through the book of Isaiah, but it says, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Woe unto them that are mighty to drink wine and men of strength to mingle strong drink which justify the wicked for reward and take away the righteousness of the righteous from him. Therefore, as the fire devoureth the stubble and the flame consumeth the chaff, so their root shall be as rottenness, as their uh, blossom shall go up as dust, because they have cast away the law of the Lord of hosts and despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. And if you'll flip back to Proverbs 14.9, I'll read this verse and pray and, and we'll get into the message, but... In Proverbs 14.9, it says, Fools make a mock at sin, but among the righteous there is favor. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I do thank you for tonight, and I thank you for the opportunity to just be behind this pulpit. Lord, I, I love this church. I love South Haven Baptist Church. I love our pastor, and, and I love the, just any opportunity to be able to fill in for him whenever he's not here, but more importantly, Lord, I just pray that you hide me, you remove me behind uh, from this pulpit and let your words be spoken, let your words be lifted out and change hearts and change lives, Lord. And, and just I just pray that you stir something in us all, Lord. This uh, uh, We've seen some victories this past month, but there's still a lot to overcome. And as we read in the book of Isaiah, we see there's, there's many in our nation that call good evil and evil good. They, they call light darkness and darkness light, Lord. There, there's a lot of mixed emotions and mixed up thinking in our country. And I pray that you just start working on the Christian's heart. Not just our church, Christians all over this nation, Lord. That you start working in the heart and challenging people to, to stand out on faith and step out on faith to to decide that they're going to live a righteous life. Not righteous in their own works, but righteous because you're righteous, Lord. And I just pray that you help us all tonight. And again, just remove me out of the equation. Lord, hide me behind the cross of Calvary. I, I do pray that you be with Pastor and the preachers that are preaching at camp, Lord. And we do pray again for all those campers. I think of my four boys that are there. I just pray that you stir something in them and work in their hearts, Lord, and all the campers that when they come back, we'll, we'll see a difference. We'll see a change, Lord, and that 
we'll encourage it, Lord, and we'll encourage them to, to keep going and be on fire for the Lord. That's what this country needs. We need youth on fire for the Lord. We need the middle-aged people to be on fire for the Lord, and we need elderly people to be on fire for the Lord. We just need Christians to get on fire for the Lord and, and to stand up and say, there's some things that you know I'm not going to be bashful about. And I just pray that you encourage us all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And the title of this message, if you like titles, is What's So Important About Being Right? What's So Important About Being Right? And uh, to kind of give a little uh, a foundation, if you would, I, I want to set some things straight before I get into the heart of my message. Uh, you know, our Lord, our God that we serve, He's a righteous God. The Bible says that the word righteousness or righteous is in the Scriptures hundreds of times. As a matter of fact, in the book of Proverbs, it's in the book of Proverbs about a hundred times or more. And so our Lord is a righteous God. And when He saved us, He expects His children to follow after Him. He said that in Matthew 16, 24, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And that is His command. That is Jesus' command. Uh, there's some things He spoke at in, in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter number 5 concerning those that uh, desire to be righteous. In 5, 6 it says, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And down in verse number 10, He says this, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And there's a lot in Scripture, and I ain't going to take the time to look throughout the whole Bible concerning righteousness, but there is something to the child of God being righteous. The Lord desires His children to be righteous. Now, not righteous in our own works, because in Isaiah, it's uh, Isaiah, I have it wrote down, and uh, let me get over here, there we go, Isaiah 64, 6. You know, our righteousness is as filthy rags in the sight of God. And what that means is when we live righteously in our own strength, in our own power, and in God's eyes, it's as filthy rags. It's as nothing. It's unattractive to Him. In Scripture, and I, I taught on this uh, when I concluded Sunday school, but in John chapter 15, verse 5, you know, Jesus is talking to His disciples, and He says, I am the vine, ye are the branches. But in verse 5, He says at the end of that, without Me... You can do nothing. And then in verse uh, uh, Luke chapter 17, 7 through 10, you can write the reference down. But basically there we see that when we do that which we're expected to do, uh, Jesus said, don't look at yourself as somebody great and somebody spectacular and pat yourself on the back. No, look at yourself as being just a servant and not one that's profitable, but rather one that's just doing what he's expected to do. That's why you got to be careful of anybody that thinks themselves higher than anybody else. It don't matter from the pastor all the way down to whoever's keeping the nursery or cleaning the church. It don't matter. There's nobody that's greater than the other. Again, we've established that it's by the grace of God that we are who we are. And it's only to His glory that we do anything righteous. It's not in our own strength. But with that said, there's some questions I want to uh, answer, if you would, concerning righteousness, and the primarily uh, most of them will be in the book of Proverbs, but to kind of start off with, what, let's just ask ourselves three questions concerning righteousness. The first one is, how does one become 
righteous. Because we've already established, laid the foundation, you can't be righteous in your own ability. It's as ugliness, it's filthy rags in God's sight. So in Proverbs chapter number 2, you can turn back there, Proverbs chapter number 2, Solomon's telling his son and teaching his son, and he says this, My son, if thou wilt receive, verse 1, we'll read verses 1 through 9. My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding, yea, if thou criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for a hid treasure, then shalt thou not uh, thou shalt uh, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom, out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. He keepeth the paths of judgment and preserveth the way of his saints. Then shalt thou understand righteousness and judgment and equity, yea, every good path. And we have to ask ourselves, how does one become righteous? Number one, we see in verse one, or A, if you're doing outline, in letter A, if you would, you've got to get saved. The only way you can become righteous is to get saved. Verse 1, he says, If thou wilt receive my words. Romans 10, 17 says, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And that is how anybody gets saved. They have to receive his words into their heart. You've got to believe the gospel, right? Uh, my oldest son, Titus, he got saved two weeks ago, three weeks ago, uh, on Father's Day uh, Sunday. Uh, but I thought he was saved. I honestly thought he was. You know, uh, he's made three professions of faith. This makes the fourth. And uh, I, I scratched my head at it. And I can, I'm not going to argue with anybody that tells me they need to get saved. But I told him the same thing. The only thing I can tell you is I am saved. I know because mine is founded on Scripture. I based it on the Word of God. I asked Jesus Christ to come into my heart. And I believe what the Scripture saith. And we went over his previous profession and he said I said it out of fear I didn't believe it and we got to talking to him about you know evidences of a, a, a Christian and one of the things was he said I don't feel conviction uh, when I do certain things and, and I'm like well that's a problem you know because if you're a Christian you're a new creature you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. you're not perfect Lord knows I'm not perfect but when I do mess up and I do mess up there's something on the inside of me that says you ought not do that. And that. That's a good indicator. But I know I'm saved. That's what I was telling them. Get back to the point. I was telling them, I, I can't tell you whether or not you're saved. I can only tell you that I'm saved. I can't tell you whether or not your mama's saved. I, I believe she's saved. She says she's saved. She's a godly Christian woman. She has evidences. But the only person who can know that they're saved is that person. And, and uh, you know, we got that settled. And I praise the Lord for it. But... You know, that's the first step into becoming righteous is you've got to get saved by receiving the Word of God. It's not your righteousness. It's not your works. It's not your words. It's His Word. You've got to accept it and ask Christ to come in your heart. We, I believe everybody in here knows that. But So that's the first step, getting saved, but it doesn't just stop there with a Christian. Verses 2 through uh, uh, 5 there, we see there's a desire to grow. It says that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge. Uh, verse number four, he says, if thou seekest her. 
Verse number five, then shalt thou understand. And so we see there, there's not only do you, when you become righteous, you get saved, but there's a desire to grow. Second Timothy 2.15, study to show thyself approved, a workman unto God that needeth not to be ashamed. Uh, rightly dividing the word of truth. I butchered it. Man, I butchered it. I used to be able to quote that one verbatim. Let me just turn there. Uh, we're going to edit that out of the audio if we even makes it to the internet, but amen. <laughs> I might just tell Brother Josh back there to cut this thing off, amen. Now, 2 Timothy 2.15, Studies show thyself uh, approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And so we see there that the desire to grow should be in every righteous individual. Now, we all don't grow at the same rate, right? You know, I, I think of the kids in school. There were some kids that really excelled at literature. I was not one of those children. There were some that really excelled at grammar. I definitely was not one of those children. And then there were some that excelled at math. That was me. Ding, ding, ding. I'm right here. I was good at math. It just came naturally to me. But just like that, not all of us are going to grow at the same pace and the same level. But there should be a desire to grow in every righteous child of God. And then we see not only do you have a desire to grow, there will be the desire, the Holy Spirit, once you read and consume uh, this Scripture, it will have a desire to apply what you know. And we see that in verse 2, 5, and 9. It says, uh, So thou, if thou incline thy ear unto wisdom, and applying thine heart to understanding. Verse 5, Then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord, and find the knowledge of God. Verse 9, then shalt thou understand righteousness. See, it's not just knowing something, it's putting it into action. That's why I love this church. I love our pastor. He's big on application. Applying what the Lord shows you and what the Lord uh, works in your heart. Keep your place in Proverbs, but turn to Acts 2.41. Very familiar scripture, most of us know it. But it's the uh, early church, Acts 2.41. And we see this is uh, what happened Sunday. You know, when uh, the, the Miss Bailey and uh, my son got baptized. This is all Acts two forty one. It says, "And they that gladly received his word, we see salvation." What we were talking about in Proverbs two, they were baptized. Okay, that's that's following desire to grow obedience in God's word. They're to get baptized, and the same day they were added unto them about three thousand souls. But it doesn't just stop there. If we keep reading, it says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and all had all things common and sold their possession and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they, continue, and they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. And, and we see that step by step by step process. Yes, you get saved, but getting saved, uh, when you become righteous, it's more than just getting saved. It's more than just having that, that ticket. I, you know, I got my, my washed... Uh, paper towel here. My wife washes them because I keep them in my pocket. But let's say you, you get, <laughs> amen. <laughs> uh, you get saved. You get that ticket, right? You get that ticket. 
And, and a lot of people have this mentality, I got that ticket and that's all I need. They put it in their pocket and they do nothing with it. That's not being righteous. That's not salvation. Salvation is, yes, you get saved. That's one of the benefits. But there is a desire. The Holy Spirit is inside you. The desire to grow and to put into action what you know. That's part of the process. So the question we have to ask ourselves, do we desire to be righteous? Now, I believe everybody in here has a testimony of being saved. And, and you know, when we do an invitation... I'll have an altar call, and if you need to get saved, somebody will gladly show you how you can know to be saved, but I, I believe everybody in here has a testimony of salvation. I'm not here to argue that, but my question is, okay, you're saved, but is that desire to grow and to apply what you know, is that in your life? Is that evident in your life? How to become righteous? It takes the Word of God. Then the next question uh, we have to ask ourselves, what are some evidences of righteousness in my life? Back in the book of Proverbs, we got six of them. I'll hit them quick and uh, we'll, we'll carry on. I want to get to the third one. But what are some evidences of righteousness in Proverbs 8, 8? Turn there with me, Proverbs 8, 8. Again, the Bible says a lot about righteousness in the book of Proverbs alone. But in Proverbs 8, 8, it says, All the words of my mouth are in righteousness. There is nothing forward or perverse in them. Uh, in Proverbs twelve seventeen, we're looking at some evidences of righteousness. In Proverbs twelve seventeen, it says, "As he that speaketh truth showeth forth righteousness, but a false witness deceit." And so, one of the uh, the evidences of a righteous life and righteous living is you'll have a pure mouth. Now, don't take that too far. Okay, now I, I don't believe a Christian ought to willingly cuss, okay? Uh, you know, I can say as my testimony, and again, we're not all the same. Before I got saved, my brothers will tell you, I'd cuss you out head to toe. It did not bother me. It did not bother me. Uh, anybody that knew me before salvation will tell you that. After I got saved, I can count on one hand the amount of curse words that left my mouth. Now, I, I wish I could say that entered my head, but uh, that actually left my mouth. And uh, now that's just something the Holy Spirit convicted me on early on. When it talks about a pure mouth, I believe that's part of it, all right? You know, you shouldn't desire to, to just let curse words fly out of your mouth. But I'm talking about your yea being yea and your nay being nay. That's what a lot of these verses are talking about. You, uh, you can write this one down, 13.5. Uh, we won't look at it. Well, it's right here. We'll look at it. Amen. A righteous man hateth lying, but a wicked man is loathsome and cometh to shame. And so uh, the bigger picture with a pure mouth is when you tell somebody you're going to do something, do you do it? When your boss at work and uh, those of us who work ask you to do something, and you tell them you're going to do it, do you follow through? Or are you just like every other co-worker and, and just forget about it, put it in the back, back seat? See, a pure mouth, that's an evidence of righteous living. A pure name, back in Proverbs 8 again, if you flip back there, Proverbs 8, 8 through uh, uh, 18, I'm sorry, through 20. It says this, Riches and honor, honor are with me, yea, durable riches and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, yea, than fine gold, and my revenue than choice silver. I lead in the way of righteousness in the midst of the paths of judgment. And so, it is what you do, does it have a pure name behind what you do? Uh, part of uh, uh, an evident 
of a righteous individual is you'll have a good name among those in the community. Is there a lot of slander behind your name? Now, I don't think anybody in here does, but we're just talking about some evidences of a righteous individual. That, That should be something that we strive to do. We're talking about what's so important about living right. You know, used to, if you said you were a Christian, somebody looked at you with an air of, uh, you know, respect, yeah. If you were a Christian and you were on the workplace, that meant something. They knew they were going to get their money's worth out of you. I'm afraid that the term Christian has been so loosely in our country that it's flip sides. People look at Christians with a negative outlook now. And I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying we're perfect. Nobody in here is perfect. And you can't do these things by yourself. It goes back to that first question. How do we become righteous? you got to get saved. How do we become more righteous? you got to get in the Word of God and apply what you learn. If you don't know much, you're not going to be very much righteous in the eyes of those out in the world. But the longer you're saved, the longer you read the Bible, the longer you apply what you learn, you ought to grow and become more righteous. Not for your sake, to give all glory and honor to the Lord. It has nothing to do with us. It has nothing. It's not a pharisaical attitude. It's putting a testimony. It's being sanctified. That's what righteous living is, a sanctification. And part of that is a pure mouth, a pure name. We see a pure work in Proverbs ten sixteen. Proverbs 10, 16, it says, The labor of the righteous tendeth to life, but the fruit of the wicked to sin. I don't know about you, but uh, I mean, I see people that, that don't have a, a, a heart for work. I'm still a middle-aged man, and I, I work out there in the workforce, and it just blows my mind at the people that don't want to work. They want a paycheck. They want money but they don't want to work for it. I just can't wrap my head around that. And part of being a Christian, we should have that desire, I think of Colossians 3.23, and whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. If we have that mindset, our work will be pure. Our heart will be pure. In Proverbs 10.28, it says this, The hope of the righteous shall be gladness, but the expectation of the wicked shall perish. Uh, over in chapter number 11, verse 23, it says, The desire of the righteous is only good, but the expectation of the wicked is, is wrath. And you'll have a pure heart. One of the evidences of, of a righteous individual is their heart will have purity to it. What I mean by that is your desires for others, your desires for your family, uh, no ulterior motives, no, no uh, secret uh, you know, agendas, if you would, a pure heart. That's, that's lacking in, in churches today. Somebody's always trying to scratch somebody's back. I, I learned a long time ago, it's almost always best not to work with somebody you go to church with. Uh, almost. I didn't say always, but almost always. Because uh, a lot of times there's, there's things, people think you're judging them and this and that. It, it can get real messy or a lot of times... There's, there's a lot of agendas behind closed doors. I scratch your back, I expect you to scratch mine. Where a pure heart doesn't expect any of that. You do something for somebody without any uh, favor in return or expectation for anything in return. 
a pure heart, a pure path, uh, Proverbs 11.5. Another evidence is there's no second guessing or questioning what the Lord would have you do. It says, the righteousness of the perfect shall direct his ways, but the wicked shall fall by his own wickedness. Now, that doesn't mean you're always going to know what to do, but you have the perfect source to go to, to direct your paths. Uh, you know, back in Proverbs 3, I don't have it written down, but 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thy own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct thy paths through His Word, through His Scripture. You'll have a clear path, a pure path, and then we see a pure conscience. In uh, Proverbs 11, verse number 18, Proverbs 11, verse number 18, here Solomon says, The wicked worketh a deceitful work, but to him that soweth righteousness, but him that soweth righteousness shall be a sure reward. And so, when you do something, uh, whether you know it should be good, but when you do something for somebody, it, it, you'll have a clear conscience in your work. You'll have a clear conscience. You know, I can't think of how many times at, at work, you know, people uh, will do something or try to get away with something, and their conscience will betray them. Uh, there's some people I work with that they try to get out of work and they'll get what we call get lost because I drive a truck and, and so they can get lost uh, while on the clock. And it eats at them when somebody calls them out and then they start they get all defensive. But as a Christian, we should have a pure conscience if that be an evidence of a, a righteous individual, a righteous Christian individual. So are these evidences apparent in our life? You know, uh, Matthew chapter number 5, again, the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said this in verse 13 through 16. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, he said, Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and be trodden under the foot of men. Ye are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hilltop uh, cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle, and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works, and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And verse 16 is the key to it all. We are to have these evidences. We're to let our works, our light shine, so everybody can say, Good job, Brother Jed. Good job, Brother Kim. No. So they can glorify who? The Father which is in heaven. That's why when somebody says, you know, uh, uh, you know you, that was a great job, or you know, I think Miss Holly said that, that was a great song she sang, and it was. But I, I know her well enough now, she's going to say, thanks be to the Lord. That gave her the talent. That gave her the gift. I think of Brother Ray playing the guitar. Mrs. Ansley with the, the piano. Whatever thing you do, uh, there's some of y'all that have the gift of giving and you give it liberally and I'm not going to call your names out because that would uh, uh, not be good for you. But there's some of these widow ladies that, that just love on people and nobody even knows about it. And, I, and you know that's your talent. That's your gift. That's what the Lord's laid on your heart to do. And you don't do it for a reward. You give all glory and honor. To the Heavenly Father. That's what it's all about. It's not to boast myself up. It's to say, thanks be to God. Because He's the one that gave me the ability, the capability. He's the one that is bearing these fruits through my life. It's not my own works. 
It's His righteousness that He's using me to do. And so could we be accused of being righteous by any evidences or any of these evident in our life? And then the last question, and then we'll be done. But what are the benefits of righteousness? What are the benefits of righteousness? Uh, the first one we see in, in the book of Proverbs is there's deliverance. So we, we kind of talked about that concerning salvation, but there's also deliverance out of issues. I mean, he provides a way of escape, but in Proverbs 10.2, I'm not going to look at all of my references, but in Proverbs 10.2 it says, Treasures of wickedness profit nothing, but righteousness delivereth from death. You know, one day I am going to die if the Lord tarries, but I don't have to worry about hell. I don't have to worry about that, that place called hell and separation from God uh, because I accepted the Lord as my Savior. I, I trusted in His Word and that made me righteous, not of my works, not of anything of myself. But that's a benefit of righteousness is there's deliverance and there's deliverance in living righteous. You know, how many times can, can somebody in here have a testimony of they did something right and, and, and it changed somebody's opinion of them. It delivered them out of somebody's hatred towards them. Uh, you, you know, there, there's testimony after testimony people could give where because of the way they, they behaved themselves at work or in a grocery store, you know, there was deliverance from a, a potentially bad situation, but because they did the right thing according to God's word, the Lord blessed it. It doesn't mean it's going to happen every time. There's persecution. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 5, you know, the blessed are those that are persecuted for righteousness sake. But you know, there is deliverance and the ultimate deliverance is we don't have to worry about hell. Uh, the, uh, another benefit of righteousness is sustenance. Uh, Proverbs 10.3, we're right here. It says, the Lord will not suffer the soul of the righteous to famish. I don't know about anybody in here, but there's not a day I hadn't gone without bread. There hasn't been a day I hadn't gone without something to eat. Uh, water to drink. Now, I don't have everything I might want, but I, I hadn't been to a point where I've been starving. You know, I, you know, there's been some points in my life before I got saved where, you know, we were hungry, but I've never been to the point where, in like these third world countries, where pe there's people out there just starving. And, and that's a benefit of righteous, of righteousness, righteous living. Then we see fruitfulness. Proverbs 11, uh, 28. Proverbs eleven twenty eight, and I'm getting down to the last benefit. That's my favorite benefit. But uh, he that trusteth in riches shall fall, but the righteous shall flourish as a branch. In Proverbs thirteen twenty one, it talks about the fruitfulness even more. It says, "An evil uh, pr evil pursueth sinners, but to the righteous good shall be repaid." Uh, and uh, I skipped the one I wanted. Sorry. Uh, in Proverbs twelve twelve. It's right here, though. It says, The wicked desireth the net of evil men, but the root of the righteous yieldeth fruit. And, and we could go to the New Testament, Galatians chapter 5, with the fruits of the Spirit. Uh, we could talk about those that, you know, that are soul winners. There's fruit in that. But righteous, one of the benefits of righteousness is there's going to be fruit in your life. That's not always winning somebody to Christ. That's acts of kindness. That's... Uh, gentleness, meekness, temperance, you know, all those fruits of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. That's a benefit, and it benefits others. Notice that. Fruit never benefits the tree that bears it. Fruit is always born, uh, bared for others. You know, there was never an apple tree that grew apples so it could consume it. 
Those apples were there. The, the reason why fruit trees bear fruit is that somebody or something will consume it to help disperse those seeds. And the same thing is in a, a righteous individual's life. Uh, we're to be fruitful, not for ourselves, but for the sake of others. And that's a benefit of righteousness, peacefulness. In Proverbs chapter number 14, you will have peace as a, a righteous individual. In 14 verse 32, it says, uh, The wicked is driven away in his wickedness, but the righteous hath hope in his death. You know, again, you can't threaten me with heaven. That's a benefit. You know, I don't know where we're going in this country or where, you know, but I think of those, those Christians that are martyred in, in China and North Korea and different areas across this world. Uh, death is just the entry point into heaven. And, and as a, that's a benefit of a child of God. There's that peace of knowing where you're going. There's, there's guidance in the uh, righteous living in Proverbs not, uh, 15. Chapter number 9, the way of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but he loveth him that followeth after righteousness. In verse 19, he says, the way of the slothful man is a hedge of thorns, but the way of the righteous is made plain. And, and again, you go to the word of God, he'll make your way plain. It's a lot of times us that, that like to get things mixed up and, and things out of order or contrary to the word of God, but if we just get our nose back in the Bible and, and apply what the Lord shows us, our way will be made plain. That's a benefit of righteousness. And the last one is my favorite one. Proverbs 28, verse number 1. And this is Brother uh, Barry Spears. Uh, I heard him say one time this was his life verse. And, and I, can, uh, I have a similar testimony before I got saved. But uh, the wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are bold as a lion. And, and see, one of the benefits of righteous living is there's confidence. There's not arrogance, don't get me wrong. But there's confidence in the one you serve and who you're doing all this for, this righteous living for. Again, it's not so anybody will brag about you. That's not what it's all about. That's where this world and our country is so messed up. They look at true Christians and they Oh, they're a bunch of braggers. They're a bunch of hypocrites. They're a bunch of do-gooders. Uh, they, they just want you to brag. I want you to brag on the Lord. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I, I have nothing to say. I've done anything of myself. I, I, you know, I don't even wish. I, I don't wish I could take credit because I don't because I couldn't have done it. I couldn't have turned a new leaf from where I came from. I couldn't have done any of it. But God. But God is the one who, who made the difference, but I can have confidence that I'm right with the Lord. If I just stick to His Word, apply the truths, that's a benefit, confidence in knowing that you know when I go into work, it don't matter if, if I get fired or not. If, if, if somebody asks me something to the, uh, to the Word of God and, uh, about salvation or, or you know, sometimes I'm asked to pray at work and I pray in Jesus' name. I pray the gospel. I'll be honest with you. I share the gospel when they ask me to pray. I, I, I thank the Lord for coming to earth to die for our sin and uh, being buried and, and conquering death, hell, and the grave and rising again and how he made a way for salvation. I say all this in my prayer when I pray for the food at work. And, you know, I've been asked twice now to pray. And so 
I figure, you know, if it comes down to it and they say you can't pray in Jesus' name and you can't pray all that anymore, I'll be like, well, don't ask me to pray. And uh, if you do ask me to pray, this is what I'm going to say, and you're going to have to fire me. I mean, I, I, the Lord's going to take care of me. He's proved it too many times. I'm confident in that fact. It's not arrogance. Please don't take it as arrogance. It really isn't. It's not arrogance. It's, I'm confident in the Word of God and that He's going to take care of me. Now, I might not have everything I want, might not have everything I need, uh, uh, think I need, but He is going to provide my needs, and He's going to take care of me, and I can have confidence in that. That's what Proverbs 28, you know, the righteous are bold as a lion, not arrogant, confident. And, you know, you can look in Scripture in Mark chapter 5, the, the, the legion, the demon-possessed man of Gadara. You got the woman at the well. After they got saved, what were they? They were confident. You know, people looked at him and said, that used to be the demon-possessed man, the woman at the well. That used to be the harlot. She ain't that way no more. And she was saying, come see a man. She was confident. You can be confident. Don't be arrogant. There is a difference. And so, are any of these benefits evident in our lives? Do I have deliverance? Do I have peace in every situation do I know where to seek God? These are benefits of righteousness. You know, this world says right is wrong. But when we get in the Word of God, this is what we need to stick with. There's, there's some benefits, there's some evidences, and it shows us in the Word of God how we can become righteous. And these three questions are, are questions every person has to ask themselves you know, at some point in time. Let's pray. Uh, dear Lord, I do thank you for tonight. I, I just thank you for being able to open up your word.